This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. Major Garrett, host of The Takeout. Thanks for joining us. Out and about again, McIntyre's, our host restaurant. We were here once before. Our guest this week and the topic this week, a book written by none other than Mark Leibovich. The book is titled, Thank You for Your Servitude. He will explain what that's about in a minute. Mark, how are you? Major, thanks for having me back. I'm a friend of the takeout. You been, are a I've friend of the before, takeout. You are so a distinguished member of our Hall of Participants. Have you been on the show before? Proud to be a member of the Hall of Participants. So That's Mark Leibovich's career includes Washington Post, New York Times, San Jose Mercury News, for those who are really fine granular analysts, yeah. New York Times Magazine, currently now at The Atlantic. Correct. What is your book about? Um, my book is about, well, it's... It re- people think it's a Trump book. It's called yes. Thank You for Your Servitude, Donald Trump's Washington and the Price of Submission. Full title with subhead. Um, but it is basically the story of Washington over the last five or six years as told through the perspective of the Republican Party and how they kowtowed to Trump. So basically it is another Washington book. It's a sequel to a – well, it was originally intended as a sequel to a Washington book I did nine years ago, which mm-hmm. is called This Town. But – it wound up becoming about what's happened to the Republican Party and what it's been like to live in Washington and be around the White House uh, for the last six or seven years, which I know we've all done, you know, sort of, we've all been through. Exactly. So. Would you agree that uh, you, if you had the choice, would prefer to read this history than live it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize. I mean, that's it, how I sort of put myself to sleep every night. God, yeah. I wish I wish I what I what, what do I wish for? Well, it's it's it's, a, it's it's an active time. It's a historic time, but it feels at times to me exhausting. Well, you do sort of wonder, like, how will history be treated, right? And mm-hmm. I, again, I don't pretend to, like, think I'm a historian or this is for the historical, right? I mean, I don't, try not to use, like, big highfalutin terms mm-hmm. like rough draft of history, that kind of thing. But, you know, you sort of wonder, I mean, if, if two sides can't agree on, like, a crowd size on Inauguration Day, right. if there are alternative facts over here, all, you know, regular facts and over genuine here. genuine facts? Yes. Like, how will history be adjudicated right. in, like, 100 years? Like, is that even going to be a thing anymore? So. so, what you just said, I'm going to take some issue with, having just read the book this weekend. I do think you wrote this book, tell me if I'm wrong. To chronicle what people said at this period of time, so when the inevitable period comes, when they deny it, because you right. and I both know they will. They, of course, yeah. all of the suck ups to the Trump world and the Trump 
mania and attitudes will at some point in their political careers deny it. Absolutely. They will attempt to. Yeah, And it feels will. to me like you wrote this book to say, one place, on one shelf, or many shelves, That's I will not allow you here. to do that. Yeah. I would hope that, you know, there will be many shelves for many different <laughs> books, but leading with this one. Um, no, I, I completely. And, you know, the, the, my first hope, and I assume it's your first hope and the first hope of any serious people in our profession, is that at some point there is some kind of course correction back to a serious discussion of the facts, a serious discussion of what it is to be American, patriotic, mm -hmm. decent, truthful. I mean, you know, these were all things we took for granted even 10 years ago when we were despairing over, oh, you know, the swamp is out of control. Right. So. Now, you wrote something in the book that I wrote in my book, Mr. Trump's Wild Ride. We both came to the same conclusion, which is this, because we all went to a lot of Trump rallies. Yes. I met more than 100. Arden Fari, my beloved producer, probably 120. But that's uh, a lot. It's a lot. And more than you I and did. I heard this, and you wrote it in the book, and I wrote it in my own way. Trump supporters, and I don't disparage them, say... Whatever your Mark Leibovich, Major Garrett, Picayune question about some fact that Trump right. got wrong, he right. speaks a bigger truth. Right. And to them, it was deeply meaningful. Right. How much have you given thought to that process, what that means, and the fact that from one election to, the no to another, Trump got 10 million more votes Absolutely. after people observed what you chronicle in yes. these five years? Yes. Um, Great question. I, I would not discount, even today, you know, as I would not have discounted in 2016, the degree to which they hold in contempt the quote-unquote... You and me? Uh, the, 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 media the media elites, the academic elites, right. the corporate elites, corporate elites, the, you know, the coastal people. Yes. Uh, not all coastal. I mean, a lot of big cities, college towns, mm -hmm. you know, between the coasts. But there's a type. Um, mm -hmm. The type tends to be Democrat. You know, I mean, back in the Reagan days, like the they were perceived to be more conservative, like mm -hmm. Goldman, like you know, academia. Even I mean, college-educated people were overwhelmingly Republican. That's right. that sort of flip. So I don't know. I, I do think that to some degree, Trump was a convenient kind of blunt object for a lot of people, and he was known to them by his enemies, and that mattered yes. a great deal to them. Maybe it mattered the most to them to some degree. If, yeah. if there was a reaction, and you talk about these reactions in the book quite frequently, yeah. that reaction, that tectonic sense of, oh, the things are shifting and ang people are angry at Trump, therefore he must be on to something. Right. Whatever the particulars are, was me were meaningless. And I think Absolutely. that's where the whole election denial thing has gone. The particulars yep. have completely vanished. Completely. Nobody can cite anything anymore. They're no. all debunked, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. The enemies matter. The and enemies the enemies, matter. including me, yep. academ academics, yep. election officials, yeah. we're all part of somehow this insidious set of voices yeah. that they perceive threaten them at a very primal level very primal level yeah and and look it's a well, and that's a fact it, it is a fact and it's a and is influencing our politics in a big way what i focused on in the book and what really offends me none of what you just said offends me necessarily i mean i i, I you know like you said we we're not disparaging trump supporters or not you know we're not meaning to i mean what they have I, their they have their feelings, they have their perspectives, yes. and they have a vote, and they've exercised yes. it. And yes, and they're you know they're fellow Americans. Uh, I resent, came to resent, and wanted to focus on the people who knew better, the people in Washington, the Republicans, 
almost overwhelmingly, actually overwhelmingly, in Washington, all of whom knew better, who will privately tell us this is nonsense, this is complete BS, and can you say BS on the takeout? Yes, you can. Um, and With gusto. And then when the camera comes on, when the mic comes on, right. it's like, you know... All hail Mr. Trump. I mean, he is our guy. We or, love him. I didn't see it. Or I, I don't have a comment. It. Or I can't really relate to that. They or, literally or some, running yes. away. Literally. I mean, you've been in those situations Constantly. where, where Republican senators, all, again, all of whom knew better, are literally running away, pretending to be on the phone. Um, it was sad and it was cowardly, and that's what the focus is. Pick your metaphor. Lights on, lights off, mic on, mic off. It's essentially two separate conversations Republicans would have with you. A private conversation that was florid, full of specifics, revulsion. Revulsion. And then then there's this separate, publicly consumed conversation that contains none of that and betrays a sense of fidelity that doesn't actually exist in any intellectual sense. It is exhausting. It is really exhausting. I mean, I mean, you know, also, you know, luckily a lot of this is on tape. Yes. I mean, a lot of these people actually did run against him in 2016. They would say, "Oh, I've evolved. I've come to like him. I golfed with him a few times." Oh, I realize he's a great guy. I mean, that's Lindsey Graham's thing. I mean, but no, they all know better. And what's interesting, and I don't think I've talked about this, you look at like Marco Rubio, you look at Kevin McCarthy when they actually do talk about this publicly, they look so sad. Mm-hmm. They look miserable because they, on some level, and it's probably pretty far down at this point, but on some level they know what they're doing. At least Stefanik. That's the other thing. She always, I mean, Lee Stefanik, you know, could be a, I don't know, she could be majority leader of the House or, you know, the number three or the whip, whatever Conference it is. Conference chair, something Conference else. Conference she'll get a big job right. potentially if things break right. You know. Like um, John Kennedy of Louisiana, she went to Harvard. I mean, Rubio, I remember, you know, when I first met him in 2010 and then wrote about him when he was right. running for president. Great aspirational Great, new face of the Republican I mean, tremendously Party. charismatic. I mean, mm-hmm. his story about the danger of charismatic leaders and tyrants based on his parents' experience with Castro right. was so, like, it was so Reagan-esque. I remember just being blown away by it. Reagan-esque. And, and, Resonant and relevant. Except, All of it. except, except things have changed. Mark, let me interrupt 100%. you. Let me yeah. run to break. We're going to do that here in a second. McIntyre's is our host restaurant. Always happy to be out and about. We have a lunch menu in front of us. Mark will decide what he wants to do. Uh, during the break? Yes. Or more on the book. The Thank you for your servitude. When we come back, I'm Major Garrett. Segment two, coming right at you. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. 
From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. I'm Major Garrett. McIntyre is our host restaurant. Mark Leibovich, our special guest. So, folks, if you don't know or have experienced the pleasure of reading Mark Leibovich, one thing you need to understand about him in Washington is there's a masochistic quality to what Mark Leibovich brings to his biographies. People want to be skewered by him. They want to be lanced, pierced completely through, run through by the rapier that is Mark Leibovich's observational fun approach. Book. It's a fun book read. It's a fun yes. beach read. No, seriously. Yeah, people, yeah. people want to be in this. They do. And they're like mortified if they're not such a grandee in this town that they're not getting mm-hmm. the Leibovich treatment. You've yeah. learned this, right? Yeah, and there's a whole group of people who snub me whenever I see them in public to prove it. Right. <laughs> it truly is. However... Yeah, you know, it's, it's part because of Because one of the things that you wrote in this town is that Washington is a place and had become a place not only with sort of low-grade garden-variety hypocrisy, but it had become yeah. an institutionalized factory of phoniness. Absolutely. Now, of course, Trump said much the same thing. He did. What's the difference, or is there one? You know, it's... Okay, so, by the way, I mean... People have been running against Washington and sort yes. of like saying, God, I'm going to come in and clean up Washington or I'm going to hate on Washington. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the city exists to be despised, which is why, you know. It's a grand American tradition. It's a, a grand way. American tradition, which is why Farmer Joe from North Dakota rails on Washington, mm-hmm. gets into the Senate or gets into Congress and then never leaves. Right. right? They, I mean, either they don't leave their office or they, they get a lobbying job right. or something like that. Right. And then they'll maybe say in their press release, so-and-so will be splitting time between Washington and Fargo, which means that 99.9% of his time will be in Washington. Maybe he'll go visit his mother or that yes. other once right. a year in Fargo or something. But, no, you're right. And and But what Trump did is that he... And, and so this town was kind of... I mean, in retrospect, it's kind of a book about misdemeanors. It's like, oh, look, a Democrat and a Republican are going into business together, right? And they're lobbying. Yeah, right? It's like a comedy of manners. And they, but so, but it was, um, but no, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, in retrospect, it, the stakes were much lower. At least they felt much lower. I mean, now we literally have people saying, you know, we're in a fight for our democracy, and I don't think they're being overheated. I mean, you saw what happened January 6th. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened, you know, for, for five years. So, but no, Trump took that out like in a big way and he just made it he just named names and he was nothing but contempt and he did it much more viscerally than Obama or Reagan or anyone did and the fact that that took hold tells you what about America right now you know here this is a because really, because great w- there's one thing to say he said it yeah but you and I have seen the receptivity up close right not just one place, oh, absolutely. dozens and dozens. And as you say in the yep. book, and as I lived this for 16 months yep. on the road, people come from miles around streaming blocks, blocks. streaming threads of traffic yeah. for hours. Hours. No, exactly. And you're thinking, okay, then you get back to your hotel room, you turn on, you know, some, you say, oh, the poll is Hillary's up by 10, or right. Hillary could win North Carolina, or even Missouri, you know, like, it's like, or Ohio. Texas. She, Texas, she's throwing new money into, you know, yeah, Ohio. And so, so it, it felt out of whack, right? It mm-hmm. was like, okay, we're, we're in this bubble, and we're watching this, and, but, you know, there was always a sense for people who had gone to, like, a few Trump rallies, mm-hmm. or who were certainly covering the Trump campaign, that are we really me- is this being measured because this right. is unlike anything I'd ever seen the size of the crowds mm-hmm. uh, the, you know the, the frequency of the desperation to get in um, 
So, yeah, I mean, and, it was and real. unlike a lot of other political events, almost never was there food or water. Almost no. rarely were there seats. Usually you stood... And yeah. you'd wait for hours. You'd wait for hours. I mean, and the, and the Trump would essentially subject his followers yeah. to the least hospitable situations imaginable, and they loved it. Not to mention the press who were following him all over. The Get film. up on the mic. Not to mention the press that was following all over, and you know, subjected to nonstop abuse from the podium, mm-hmm. yep. from the crowd. Yep. I mean, it was pretty menacing, as as you know. So. No, it was unbelievable. Um, unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, I don't have a good read on what that looks like today compared to what it looked like in 2016, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't. I haven't been to a Trump rally in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear anecdotally that maybe the magic is wearing off a little bit, but I don't know. So what I'm driving at here is a way to try to reconcile all the things you have in the book with the current state of American political discourse. Because mm-hmm. at one level... I'm as contemptuous as you are, though not as brilliantly written as you put it together, of all the Republicans you talk to for this duality that they live in. But on the other hand, I'm like, they are realists. They live in a confined world where if they want to keep their job, they must do a certain number of things in order to keep it because things have been reversed. They're not in control any longer. And that's what I think is about what you're describing, the helplessness and sadness. They're not in control. Yes, or so, or so they have assumed. Or so they have assumed. I would, I would. So, so if you tell yourself you're not in control, guess what? You're not in control. Correct. They and are, that's what they've told themselves. W- that's what they've told themselves. I would offer that they are 100 percent in control. Mm-hmm. I mean, Liz Cheney is no more or less pragmatic than Kevin McCarthy is. She has just made a choice. Or Lee Stefanik. Or, or Lee Stefanik. Or Skeeves. Or on the or other Ted end, Bruce, Mark Sanford, Jeff Flake. I mean, depending oh. on what side you come down. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you ask like, is it? worth the parking space? Is it worth the job? Is it worth not being tweeted about? I mean, what's really depressing is the incredibly high volume of people who are willing to uh, make the choice, like just to go pure expediency. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons Liz Cheney is, obviously she's in big political trouble, but she's she's willing to lose. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a novel, what a novel thing. Willing to lose. Yeah. And one thing I think is thematically important about your book is it basically says we've reached the stage after January 6th in which we saw something unimaginable. However, when I read your book, I hear you saying all the whitewashing that began almost as soon as Trump gained momentum led inexorably to January 6th. Yeah. Because all of that was a practiced effort to not see what was visible. Yeah to minimize what was harsh and repellent and repugnant, and in so doing, laid the groundwork intellectually, politically, thematically for January 6th. Absolutely. Yeah. And... So they're all complicit. They're completely complicit. And, okay, even more chilling than that, or as chilling than that, is what he's come back from. You were here, Mm -hmm. like, that two-week period. Yeah. Republicans were running from him finally. Like, okay... The, this is the fever break, okay? He survived the Helsinki press conference. He survived Charlottesville. He survived Access Hollywood. Go down the list. He survived losing the election by 7 million votes on Jan- on November, whatever it was, 3rd. 3rd. So now he's coming back from this? I mean, in short order, Mitch McConnell basically games it so that impeachment's going to happen after January 20th, which ensures he's not going to be convicted. McCarthy goes down to Mar-a-Lago on the 28th. Like within a few days, McConnell's doing his "I will support the nominee" thing. Uh, 
Rick Scott's giving him an award. Giving him a freedom award. Yeah. Whatever All it was. All this st- st- yeah. studied so rehabilitation. Right. And so then the prism, the new, so now the new Republican platform goes from being whatever Trump wants, which was the official, basically the official platform in 2020, to January 6th didn't happen. And or if it the did, election, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. And uh, he was screwed out of the election. I don't care how many court cases he lost. I don't care what Bill Barr said or or Chris Krebs or uh, Krebs. Yeah. Yes, Krebs. I mean with the whole the whole game. Uh, what Mike oh. Pence said with the whole game. And then so this is basically the Republican platform two years on. And do you find that seismically depressing? Absolutely. Here's why. Okay. Okay. Let me just give you a very clean contrast here, or two actually. One, the conservatives in England. Okay, like last month, decided, all right, enough with this Boris Johnson. We're just gonna like, right? You know, we're gonna join arms. A few of us are, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna speak our truth. We're sack him. He's gone. Now, obviously, different system of government. But another contrast that is, is our system of government: Watergate. Okay, obviously, a different time. There was no yes. Fox News when Watergate happened, but. The reason Nixon finally left was not because Democrats were like yelling and screaming or not. John because... Chancellor told him to. No. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, well, when you lose Cronkite or when you lose. Yes, exactly. No, it was because Barry Goldwater, one of the most conservative members of the Republican Party, who was then, you know, senator from Arizona, walked up to the Capitol or walked up to the White House with a couple of other Republican leaders of the Senate um, and said, Mr. President, you have lost support. It's time to go. And Nixon, for all of his demons and flaws, had enough shame or had enough good sense or enough patriotism to just say, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm not going to, like, orchestrate a insurrection. I'm, you know, right. God knows what Nixon could have done. He could have told them to, like, buzz off and, I mean, whatever. But he, he hit the paper. But Republicans stopped Nixon, right. ultimately. We're going to stop right there, head to yeah. segment three. Mark Leibovich is our special guest. The New York Times best-selling book. Thank you for your servitude. More when we come back. I'm Major Garrett. See you in a second. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. McIntyre's is our host restaurant. Always great to be out and about. Mark Leibovich, our guest. Thank you for your servitude is the book. Number one New York Times bestseller. Beach read, yes, but it's a read for the ages, folks. It chronicles a time we won't soon forget. And back to this point about Trump supporters. Uh, look, they cast ballots in the 2020 election. Trump increased his vote total from 2016 to 2020 by over 10 million votes. That's a fact. Joe Biden beat him by 7 million votes. That's a fact. Nothing askew happened in the 2020 election to materially affect the outcome. Nothing. I've got a book about that coming out in September. It's called The Big Truth. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yes. The Big Truth. The Big Truth. Catchy, don't you think? No, I like it. You need a big (laughs) thing. No, that's good. Yes. So it's going to be all about that. All right. And it takes seriously all the various concerns, things that have been raised, and walks you through step by step. So nothing happened that was materially influential on the outcome of the election. Nothing. And we have to get to a point in American life 
where that can be an accepted truth, because if we don't, we will no longer have a functioning democracy. No. If you have an orientation to balloting that goes like this, when my side wins, it's legit. When my side loses, it's fraudulent, we're done. Yeah. And we're inching, and the reason I wrote the book is because we are moving in this direction. We're and it is an unsustainable. We're leaping and in that's this the, And that's the back third of your book. Uh, yeah, it sort of is, right? It's it is. illegit. No. Look, people talk about, like, and people kind of roll their eyes, but norms and traditions and right. precedents. It's all based on basic good faith, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, forbearance. Forbearance, shared truth, right. intellectual honesty. People, do, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what if, like, there's, like, a new Brad Raffensperger sitting in, you know, the Secretary of State's office in Georgia in 2020. I mean, I don't know what's his deal. I guess he'll probably be still in office. He will like, be. But there will be other elections. He's got to get to the general election, but he, he, he does. He made it through a primary, which was kind of a reassuring signal that if you can yes. have this argument about what or what didn't happen, Absolutely. the guy who... Had the provably factual case won. Yeah, and Brian but others Kemp, are losing. Brian Kemp, others are losing, but there are you know a lot of election deniers across the country yes. who are on ballots who are in a position to win. And I think one of the other points of your book is, if Trump got off that fact-free hobby horse, mm -hmm. they would all give it up. Absolutely. They're only playing this game. Yeah. Because he won't let go. And because he won't let go, they can't let go. Right. Not because it's true, not because something bad happened, but because he won't let it go. And if, yeah. I'm going to ask you, yeah. if Trump were to say two sentences, I'm moving on, I have my issues, but we're done, yeah. that would end it. It would end it, and, and you know, I would argue that if he had done that a year and a half ago, it would have been he would have been politically so much more viable now than he is now. Although he's still pretty viable, mm -hmm. right? But you know, he got all those votes. He could have conceded somewhat gracefully. Um, we had Mick Mulvaney on the show two weeks ago, and I reminded him oh of boy. a column he wrote oh, yeah. in the Wall Street Journal. Didn't Trump, age well. Trump. <laughs> I said yeah. gracefully and concede. Yeah, no. And he, it, he admitted, I was writing it to persuade him in public. Yeah. Well, because I couldn't talk to him. Audience of one. No, look, I mean, there, there are. You and can that's have another all, theme in your yeah. book this whole idea of audience of one that you have to play oh, to yeah. this grand master and stroke him in so many convoluted ways, or you yeah. can't possibly get your way. No, there was like, I mean, so Kevin McCarthy is one of the recurring figures in the book, and, and I remember. Towards the end of the book, I'm just sitting there. I guess we were in Bakersfield, where his hometown. Mm -hmm. And every time I would ask him a somewhat Trump-related question or one-six-related question, Stink eye. it would just be it would just be body language. He would like hunch his shoulders. He'd look scared, and he keep. Why do you keep asking me about Trump? And the reason it's not that he couldn't talk endlessly about Trump privately. Um, or to his donors, or what have you. It's just that he knew that if he said one word that Trump was not going to like, and that got in the New York Times, where I happened to be writing at the time, you know, he was going to get in big trouble. Could cost him his speakership, and the only thing that matters is speakership. I'm just going to run some names by you. All right. Paul Ryan. Complicated guy. Uh, Complicit? Big, sure, to a point. You know, he, again, still on the Fox News board. I think without Fox News, uh, Trump would not... Be, have rehabilitated it as many times as he was. So, yeah, that, you know, Brian, very ambivalent. Um, a hero, not a hero to the right, not a hero to the left, kind of caught in the middle. I think he's probably very happy to be out of public life right now as much as Mike he can. Pompeo. You know, kind of an Eddie Haskell type. You know, again, we'll stroke Trump with the best of them. Um, should, I don't know if I can use this, but there's a fast. There's a great line in, by courtesy of Susan Glasser in The New Yorker, profiled Mike Pompeo. 
d- comparing him to a heat-seeking missile for Donald Trump's, can we not say that Rectum, word? Rectum, I think, would be a Posterior, clinical term. Posterior, yes. Yeah, anyway, I can't say that enough. It's a clinical term. It's a clinical, okay term. clinical terms here. But he's a smart out. guy. He, he, gets, mm-hmm. you know, he gets the joke. It's depressing. Chris Christie. Oh, man. Christie, you know, he, he was humiliated so many times by Trump. He apparently is going to be sort of like an anti-Trump truth teller type, but I don't think he quite knows what he's going to be. Like, Chris Can Christie, he be a, tr- a truth teller about Trump after all this? I don't think so. But, you know, look, Chris Christie loves the game. He And loves to be around. Loves to be around, loves, you know, he's kind of a wise guy. I will he's tell you a story. Uh, yeah. I interviewed Chris Christie on C-SPAN for one of his books. It was the, it was a book about Kushner and everything yeah. and that hassle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he said something in the middle of the interview that stopped me cold. He said... I've known Trump for many, many years. Donald Trump is least loyal to the people who are most loyal to him. It's true. Absolutely. And that had a ring of truth to me. Well, it's certainly in his so case. So much so that I had him repeat it. I said, oh, say that again. And he said it yeah. again, flat out. I mean... The, and uh, I think history has borne that out. Yeah, in Christie's case, and probably most, in, like, most dramatically... Would you also say Mike that of Pence's the people case, who have yeah. been arrested and prosecuted for storming the Capitol? No, because he did no, not... He, he could have been more loyal to he them. He could have been more loyal to them. He could have pardoned them. He could, he could have like, told them, like, don't get in trouble. Don't get arrested. Don't like, be violent. I mean, again, there is any number of ways he could have helped them out while he was pardoning you know, Jared Kushner's father-in-law and you know, any number of... You know, Bannon. Yeah, just the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole crowd. So... Um, Mike Pence. There was no more loyal vice president in history. You know, could have been hung. Hate to say it, but, you know. Might have happened. And I'm not sure Trump would have been all that upset. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I mean, that's like, this is, you get, see, the thing about writing these books and stories is you get into these weird thought experiments, but, like, what if that happened? Right. Like, is Trump still viable? I'm not sure. It's but the Fifth it's, Avenue thing. Right. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. And you write in the book that you don't want to try to be an armchair psychologist. Lots of people have tried around right. Trump. They're actually actual psychologists. Absolutely. Wrote an entire book about it. Absolutely. The danger of Donald Trump. Yeah, his own but cousin. But you can't, as you have been, I think, accurately described, the preeminent anthropologist of what Washington, D.C. is, good and bad, you can't escape the temptation to try to get into this psychological world. Have you? Oh, not really. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, to be honest with you. I mean, like, he... he I think I, I always felt like I knew him fairly well. I thought, you know, kind of compelling, but I can tune him out. Uh, he's basically harmless, you know, whatever. He's got his thing. Yeah, it became less harmless when he became a birther and that whole thing started. Mm-hmm. Not harmless. Um, but then I'm thinking, you know, he's running for president. Maybe he was just playing a part, and, you know, that went away in, like, two minutes. Like, yep. so, so I don't know. Look, the guy, I, I think he is a, as about as well-known a politician. You know, everyone knows her. He's, he's very predictable, mm-hmm. I would say. And it strikes me, and you write about this in the book, that on January 6th, he was mesmerized because this was, to his mind, a stupendous act of allegiance and love for him. And he was transfixed by it. Totally. I mean, that was that to me is the... And the underlying moral wretchedness of it, what was happening institutionally to the country, the guardrails that were being shattered, vanished from his sense of... Yeah. Yes. Sight. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Okay, so, you know, obviously entire committees, you know, their entire hearings have been devoted to that 
however many minutes, the, that few hours when he was 187 just watching. 187 minutes. Yeah, he's watching TV. Um, Stephanie Grisham, who was still working for Melania Trump, at least then, had this, this image of him just sitting there saying, just sort of watching and saying, I'm doing this for me. For me. And to me, that is the lesson here. It's like this little boy in a bubble, and it was just... It's to me, it's still chilling to a point, you know, because people were dying literally. Right, because the powers of the presidency are vast, yeah. and when the presidency is me, not us, dangers lurk. Mark <laughs> Leibovich is our special guest. We are out and about. So happy to be out and about again. McIntyre is our host restaurant. We're just going to stick with our diet coke this time, but you know, next week, who knows what we're going to eat at the takeout? I'm Major Garrett. Segment four coming up. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Mark Leibovich, our special guest, the book, New York Times bestseller. I want to mention that. Thank you for your servitude. So, um, Leibovich has a lot of energy and tenacity about him, and he's an ability that far exceeded mine to hang out at the Trump Hotel. Oh, brutal. I would go there occasionally, but I just, after the White House. It's hard, right? All hour after hour after hour. It's more White House. Extending that onto my day. I will freely admit, it was probably journalistically inept for me not to spend more time there, but I, my brother, I just couldn't bring myself you to do missed. it. You were missed. You were missed all the time. I will be honest. I, um, and yeah. why was that not only an important place to be, but a metaphorically resonant place oh, to be? Well, it was the Republican capital of Washington. It was, you'd have the White House staff just going there after God knows what they the were The Treasury doing Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, lived there he for lived a while, there did for he? a while. His, his new wife with a little literal lapdog in the purse. She lived there. Rudy <laughs> had a, everywhere. Rudy had a suite, had a regular table at the BLT. The steakhouse um, there, steakhouse, yes. A lot of tourists, um, a lot of, you know, hangers, hangers on, on, a lot yes. of them. And, you know, it, it was... Uh, it was Rick's American Cafe. It was like gambling. I mean, it was it was a racket. And Trump himself would go in. It was the only yeah. restaurant. The steakhouse, the BLT steakhouse at the uh, Trump Hotel, was the only restaurant Trump would and eat in Washington. And the majesty of his appearance he, he, upon all who were he, there. He needed the big applauded entrance, departure. He would pause. It was quite a thing. He would always order the 40-ounce tomahawk steak, shrimp cocktail, fries, um, Don't forget cake, the Diet Coke. Chocolate cake for dessert and a bucket of Diet Coke <laughs> because, why? The diet. Very important. Very important. Diet. After that, you've got to have the diet. got to watch this girlish figure. Yes. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, it was quite a scene. It, you know, in fairness, it, like there was, uh, everyone was always posting their stuff on Instagram. Right. And like, so, and Zach Everson, got to give him a shout out. The year, 1100 I actually feel like I should he should be a takeout guest. He should be a great he would be a great I can't we flack him enough. Zach Ever we need to have him Zach on the show. Zach Everson. I can get I can give you his contact. Please. Yeah, I, I give him a nice shout out in the epilogue actually right. cuz I wanted to buy because him. Because he had a what was it? He had a blog called or he had a um 
a website, a newsletter. It newsletter. was the newsletter. You had to subscribe. Eleven hundred Pennsylvania. Eleven hundred Pennsylvania, which basically charted the comings and goings. And you know, his he'd follow Instagram with microscopic account, detail. Microscopic detail, and, and like he's a good investigative reporter, and like he checked documents. It was a great one-stop shop. So like I actually said in the book, do you think I actually saw Marco Rubio's wife eating a eating a salad at the BLT? No, Zach took a picture. <laughs> Zach found it on Instagram. So yes. uh, you know, shout out to Zach. Great guy. You should totally have him on the takeout. And. It's important because it was the Trump place of business. Absolutely. It was a business. It raised its rates when Trump would call people to Washington. It made money off his own fame, fortune, and presidency. Yes. In a way that I don't want to be uh, naive about this. Uh, we hadn't seen before, right? We had never seen this before. Um, let's see, the Obama International Hotel, <laughs> George the, W. Bush, the Bush International Hotel, Hotel. No. Jimmy Carter, Club. no, no, it was Ronald amazing. Reagan and Hotel. by the way, he's keeping track. Like he was very pleased when Congress, congressional candidates, so and so, were spending, you know, fifty thousand dollars on you a had it fundraiser, there. just like they're doing there. now at right. Mar-a-Lago. Like yeah. your like your campaign committee will, you know, if you you. So this goes to another thing that I want to talk to you about, which is this orientation the former president has to those who support him. Mm-hmm. Because you've heard it, I've heard it. Yeah. We, we have this dialogue and we say, this is really troubling, this is unprecedented, it violates everything that's normative about the presidency, yeah. and they would say, good. Right. He's smarter than all you other jerks. He's, yep. get, he's making it. He made his name. He won the presidency. Yep. F you. Yep, absolutely. To show how it's smart proof. It's proof. It's Absolutely. proof of concept for them. Proof of concept. You know, he like yeah, he's, he's the wise guy. You're the dummies. Yeah, you guys all like gave you know showed up showed them your tax returns. Why? Like, why would you do that? I'm very smart. Why did you fall? For I don't all pay that? any taxes because I'm very smart. Not because I'm dishonest. Not because I'm unscrupulous. It's because I'm smart. You and know? is part of that a deeper? Accounting that Washington journalism for the last 20 years has to come to grips with. Because if you tell the country this city sucks, it's full of grifters and hypocrites and phonies yeah. and, and shysters who are just trying to take you to the cleaners and you don't know it, Yeah. Trump comes along and says, guess what? It's all true. And I'm going to fix it. Yeah. I Is mean- there some level of accounting that the kleptocracy of the intelli- intelligentsia here have to come to grips with? I mean, maybe. I don't think we're wrong, though. Right. <laughs> I mean, if that's what the country... I mean, look, it, it's, it sounds disdainful to say, but... I mean, here's, my, here's what gives me hope. Um, we don't, have not seen much proof that that model works for anyone other than Trump. Right. Okay? Like, Republicans, when Trump has not been on the ballot, whether it's in special elections or the midterm election, um, at least during his presidency, have not done well. Okay, people trying to be like getting away with whatever they get away with, you know, it hasn't worked. So maybe Trump is a one-off in that way. Like we'll see if, you know, if Herschel Walker can get elected or if Eric Greitens can get the nomination and get elected in Missouri. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, who knows? Remains to be seen. So you, near the end of the book, anonymously quote a congressman who's a Republican who Mm -hmm. said, our plan, speaking of the party, Yeah about this whole thing you just laid out is that he dies. That's the plan. They have no other plan. I mean, it's like they, the Republicans... What did you think when you heard that? I'd heard it before, actually. That's like, there have been like some 
actually pretty Trumpy, but then non-Trumpy people who have said that. I mean, who have pretty big followings on like on social media, pretty well known. Um, you know, I think it goes to just how passive they are. They're waiting for some intervention that will solve their problem for them. They have no agency. It's like they need a divine or spine. or spine, but they need like God to come in and like you know take care of their problem or or you know a heart attack, whatever you know, whatever you believe. As was said in a completely different context, hope is not a strategy. No, it's not. Or that. <laughs> no, it's it's true. But no, it's like, so Liz Cheney said this to me, and it's 100% true. You know, the problem I have is, is I mean, if you're like Kevin McCarthy, you're going to go all in with Trump, and we all see what that's about. But it's the bystander. Like Mitch McConnell, this is what she said, is a bystander. He's just waiting for the problem to take care of itself. He's not going to do anything to right. impeach him or to convict him. He wants to, but he's like, we're going to let the Democrats take care of this. And, of course, they can't. You know, he could help, but he's, a by- he's chosen to be a bystander. And a bystander at a pivotal moment in American history will not age well, I don't believe. I would hope not. I mean, who knows how history will be adjudicated. But I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I, I think, you know, it will probably send a really sad... I mean, I mentioned at the top that it would be better to read this history to live it, but you and I are living it. Everyone who's are. here is it's living it. Everyone. And everyone here has a choice. You know, and back to where we started. If you say you don't have a choice, guess what? You don't have choices. But that's not true. It's Everybody not true. has a choice. And this is why I'm very happy that... Liz Cheney is so conservative. Her voting record is so in line with Trump because they can't just say, oh, it's a liberal thing. Right. I mean, right. I've had more common cause with conservatives. And whether you've watched the January 6th hearings or not, just go through the list of witnesses. All 95% Republicans. Yeah. I would say 90% Trump serving Republicans. And I'm Major Garrett. the takeout. Exactly. Indeed. Everyone does. 100%. We need to say farewell to our radio audience for those on podcast platforms and uh, watching so closely on CBS News streaming. Stay tuned for the Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. We'll see you next week. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to your... Takeout, Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. McIntyre is our host restaurant. Always great to be here. Mark Leibovich, our special guest. The book, thank you for your servitude. One of the themes in the book is about two funerals. One for John McCain, one for George Herbert Walker Bush. And in this town, the book that preceded this one, you sort of take Washington funerals very much to task as a place in which a lot of puffery and I'm here, therefore I'm relevant. My relevance makes this funeral a thing. Right. But it seemed to me what you were describing in both of these funerals were all of that true, but they were also official Washington's way of grousing and rejecting Trumpianism in a kind of absolutely ornamental way. Yeah, I mean, look, I, funerals are... I mean, funerals... 
uh, I think, extremely great window into a culture, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, first of all, I really love a good funeral, meaning that I learn a lot about the departed. I learn a lot about the living. I learn about life. I mean, I find it very enriching, no matter what the tradition mm-hmm. or context. But, yeah, I mean, Tim Russert's funeral, which was the first scene yes. in this town, was... Uh, a cocktail party so that was the scene it was like people <laughs> business cards were flying around it was a place to see and be seen right and so that you the, were there that meant I was, something that I was there yes exactly people were fighting for seats John McCain's funeral was very much I mean first of all McCain himself choreographed it he had Obama and Bush um give two of the eulogies, both of whom he lost very bitter elections to. He made a point of making sure Trump was not invited. Mm -hmm. It was a big middle finger to to Trump. And, you know, that was quite a scene, too. And a lot of people in the press were saying, okay, this is a message from the old one. And it kind of was. I Mm -hmm. mean, everyone was there. Same with Bush. I mean, Trump actually did go to Bush 41s, and it was awkward. Like, he had the Hillary death stare. You know, Michelle Obama could barely look at him. You know, a bar- uh, I mean, it was very, it was, it was Capital quite a letters, thing. awkward. Uh, it was really quite a thing to see. But no, I mean, I do think that, like, you know, this is not by design, but I think you can learn a lot about a culture by sort of de- deconstructing the funeral uh, scene a little bit. No doubt. Yeah. So, as you might remember, we have the three threshold questions here in the takeout outtake, especially. I want to update them in case you wish to. So, most influential book in your life, all time favorite movie, long drive, long flight, what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm going to add to that something that you have streamed recently that you really dug. Okay. Good. Okay. So, wait, what's the first one? Most influential book in your life. Uh,. Um, I'll just say what it takes. Mm-hmm. Loved what it takes. It, it sort of opened my eyes when I read it to like, wow, that's possible. You can actually do that. Mm-hmm. Of course you can't because there's only one Richard Ben Kramer. Richard Ben it. Kramer, yeah. yeah. The great thing about that book, it's the 1988 presidential campaign. Yeah. That book came out in the summer of 1992. Amazing, right? Four years of research, brilliant writing. Keep, it is the seminal work. Keep telling my editor, I need another four years, uh, but it, it never flies. It is the seminal it's work. It's a great work. Amazing. It really is spectacular in every way. Absolutely. Favorite movie, or one of your favorite movies. And uh, the way to think about that, you're scrolling through, and you, and you see it, and you stop. Diner. Diner. Yeah. Barry Levinson. Loved it. Baltimore. Baltimore. Yep. I saw it like a million times. I haven't seen it in a while, but I love that movie. Very good. Music. You mean on the long drive? Yeah. Or long um, flight. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Something I, you're really going to just jump into with both Here's what feet. I like. I like a rental car with 10 buttons set, all with Sirius XM. Mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Flip around if you're really... I, I like... I don't, mm, I don't... I can't do one artist. I can't even do three artists. I need... I need like the serendipity mm-hmm. of finding stuff. So that's you like randomness. Love randomness. I miss the serendipity that the old, the previous media right, culture that, afforded. That in an other era, yeah. in big markets, yeah. the top FM DJ would right? put together a set, I, right. and people would applaud the set from their cars. Love between Siri. commercial breaks. Love the set. Like, how did you put five of those five songs right? together, and why? Yeah, and yeah, radio is just in a bad place as far as over the air. Love the love the satellite. What have you streamed recently that you have totally gotten into? Yeah, Yellow Jackets. Okay. Have you seen Yellow Jackets on Showtime? Heard oh, about it. Oh boy, is that dark! It is so well done. Fitting for our times, in other words. Uh, in a weird way, it's just not the kind of thing I would normally watch. But boy, is it well done. Christina Ricci, uh, uh, Juliette Lewis, phenomenal. Highly you recommend. heard it from Mark Leibovich, yes. Yellow Jackets, and lots of other cool things. Lots it's been of a pleasure. Cool. Mark Leibovich, always 
Great to hang out with you. Major, it's great to be back on The Takeout. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week. I'm Major Garrett from McIntyre's. See ya. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts.